Matthew chapter number one. If you do not have a Bible today, today we have listed the verses of scriptures on the screen. I'd like to encourage you to follow along and we'll read these together if we can, please. There are two places in the gospel that tell of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. In the book of Matthew, we find Jesus is the king. In the book of Mark, he's a servant. In the book of Luke, he's man. In the, Luke, in the book of John, he's God. So two of those books, when you talk about a king, you want to know who his daddy is, who his grandfather is. And that's the book of Matthew. He's the king, and so we're going to see on his father's side a little bit about that. In the book of Mark, he's a servant. When you're a slave, we don't care who your dad is. There is no reference to his parents or that kind of thing in the book of Mark. He was just a man. He was a servant. In the book of Luke, he was man. So we have the lineage of his mother in the book of Luke. And then the book of John, there's no reference of his birth because in the beginning was the Word, and that was Jesus. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He always was. You could just imagine Jesus sitting with the, the uh, 12, um, as 12 years old, sitting in the temple, and uh, all the professors of the law that knew the Old Testament were amazed at all he knew. And uh, he, they may have asked him, oh, how old are you, son? He said, well, on my mother's side, I'm 12 years old. But on my father's side, I'm older than my brother and my mother, <laughs> and I'm as old as my father because he was always God. And what a wonderful truth that is. You say, Pastor, I don't understand that. Join the club. I just believe it because God tells us that, and that's a safe way to be. Matthew chapter 1, and we have the New Testament's example and information, beginning at verse number 18. I'll read verse 18, and you read verse 19, and so on. We'll alternate till the end of the chapter, verse 25. Now, the birth of Jesus was on this wise. This is how it happened. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she, found, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make, was willing. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord spake unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. Together in verse 25, everyone. Amen. 
Our Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to share in this program. Thank you for the collectively thousands of hours that have gone into letting us watch 21 minutes of the Symphony of Christmas. Thank you for the expertise and the skill set of everyone who participated. Thank you for our friends who have joined us today, some from the northern parts of the city of Chicago and Evanston and in the suburbs there, others from South Lake County and DeMont and Couts and Valparaiso and down in Rensselaer and all the areas of this, of this region. Lord, you brought us here, and I pray that God, your Holy Spirit, would obviously move in us and help us. It's my prayer, and I ask that you would hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. We thank you so very much for being a part of this special day, and we're honored every one of you have come. My wife, Linda, is right down here on the third or fourth row, and her and I met each other right here in this region. She's from Massachusetts. I was from Tennessee. I was 19. She was 18, and we began. I just kept, saw how beautiful she was, so I just followed her around until she caught me, and that's kind of how it worked. At the age of 22, we got married in West Bridgewater, Massachusetts, and, and uh, then the Lord gave us nine children. All of them are girls except for seven. And so we have seven boys and two girls. And our oldest would, uh, was born on February the 27th, 1991, and then our uh, last one was born in the March of 2000. And uh, whatever year that was, 2010? Yeah, 2010. She's 11 now. And we love our kids. But I always thought whenever we'd have a child, my goodness, we were talking about what we were going to name our baby. We find out, first of all, some of them we found out, some of them they were surprised. We didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. But we had a girl name and a boy name, and we were excited about picking out our name. Sometimes Linda and I were together on it. Sometimes there was a lot of conflict and fighting, and no, not really. But she had strong opinions of what the name should be, and I had opinions about what the name should be. But we, uh, we settled that our first son would be named Tyler. And then our next son would be named Derek. And then Preston. And then we found out we were going to have a girl. We called her Lydia. And then we had four more boys and one more girl. I can't remember all their names right now. now. But every, every so often we would have a chance to pick a name. And that is a part of the Christmas story. It was Mary in Luke chapter 1, verses 30 through 35, who got the first angelic visit Gabriel came to her, and as he did to Joseph later, whoever the angel was, we don't know for sure it was Gabriel with Joseph, but it was Gabriel with Mary, and he said to her, don't be afraid, fear not, but you're going to carry the Christ child, and the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you and place within your body the, the, uh, the seed. And that would be the Christ child. And, she, and he was, she was told, we're going to name him Jesus. You're going to call his name Jesus. If you could imagine, Mary is a spouse to Joseph. She's young, and Joseph may be as young as well, no doubt maybe a little older than her. 
But uh, now she has been visited by an angelic host or an angelic a messenger of the Lord, and she's been told she's going to be carrying the Christ child. Now, every Jewish girl had known that one day there would be a Messiah in Israel. And there were many a crackpot messiahs who came and said, they're the Messiah, My, call me Christ, I'm the one from God. But, and, and girls would probably love to do that. And then they knew that it would not, it would be a miraculous birth. Because Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, the Bible says it would be the seed of a woman that would bruise Satan's head. It would have to be a virgin born. They read in Isaiah where the Bible would say a virgin would conceive and bring forth a son. Say, what's the big deal about that? Well, the big deal about that is, is that all of us have something in common in this room. We all have a human father, every one of us. And because we have a human father, our father was a sinner, and his father was a sinner. Everyone's daddy was a sinner. And we became a sinner. We've got talking about those seven children, seven boys and two girls that Linda and I have. I've never had to one time say, now listen, you're five, let me teach you how to lie. Tomorrow we're going to work on losing your temper. Then when I talk to you how to be disrespectful and teach you that one, they came very natural to all my children. you know why? Because it came natural to me. And they have me and them. And I got my dad and me, and we've got Adam in all of us. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12, Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, when he sinned, so then death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. See, all of us have a human father, and all of us have a sin nature. We sin by nature, and we sin by choice. And we're in trouble because of that sin. Even if you don't understand it, you need to, you need to understand it this morning. Sin is our biggest problem. That's why Jesus came. And that's why Jesus had to be born without a human father. Had Joseph or any other person impregnated Mary, well, he would have been a sinner. But the Bible says that Jesus was tempted at all points to sin, but he didn't sin. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. Jesus wasn't a sinner. But had Joseph been his dad, he would have been a sinner just like us. And that's the reason why the cross is so important. Lots of people were crucified on, that, on crosses. That wasn't a one-time event. That was one of the favorite ways the Roman government struck, struck fear into the hearts of criminals. If you do the crime, you're going to do more than time. You're going to hang on a cross naked and embarrassed and beaten and bludgeoned for all the world to see. This is what happens to criminals. Lots of people went through such torture to some extent. I don't think anyone to the extent of Jesus. But the blood that fell from his body was without sin. The blood that fell from every other criminal on a cross, they had the same bloodline that I do and you do. But could you imagine Mary receiving the news that you're going to carry the Christ child? Then she approaches Joseph, and she tells him, Joseph, 
I'm going to have a baby. And I'm, 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 not, I'm still a virgin. And he doesn't believe it. He doesn't understand how could this happen. No doubt she told him everything that happened to her, and he didn't believe it. He needed additional confirmation. You know, there are some people in this room who've heard that Jesus came, he died, he paid for your sin, but you still don't believe it. You haven't accepted it. Oh, you've been familiar with it. You've maybe gone to church. Or you've been through multiple Christmas programs. And maybe someone's handed you gospel tracts so that you can evaluate what uh, has been said from the Bible. Maybe you've watched some programs on television or you've heard some radio broadcast, or someone's even tried to talk to you about Christ. But you still don't believe it. Well, I'm so glad that while... While Joseph, the Bible says, thought on these things, that God gave him an angel. He gave him additional information from God to his heart to say, listen, don't be afraid. Go ahead and take Mary. Now, they were a spouse. We don't use the word a spouse too much in our culture. We use the word if someone, and yesterday I had a sweet friend of mine send me a picture of he and his fiance. now. She was his girlfriend yesterday. Now she's his fiance because they held up a picture and she has a ring. We say that they are now engaged. And we're very familiar with that. But in the Jewish culture, engagement was when they made their vows. Later on, in the next several months, that little couple will make their vow, and then they will be married. In the Jewish culture, at their engagement, they made their vows and were bound at that moment as though they were married, but they had not come together physically. So they're now a spouse, and then God tells them Mary. Mary tells Joseph. Joseph is thinking and can't believe it, and he said, well, you know what? I'm going to have to divorce her, but... I don't want to make a lot of fanfare. The Bible says that he was a just man and was willing better to put her away or to divorce her in a private setting and not a public setting. In the Jewish culture, because she was viewed as a harlot, as someone who was immoral, they could have stoned her according to Deuteronomy. And if, if, the, if the Jewish leaders felt like that was the case and they were allowed, they, would, they could, they could just, just execute her. But he says, I don't want that to happen. I don't understand what's going on. I'll just put her away privately, and we'll get a couple witnesses, and I'll sign the, the, the divorcement, and we'll just be done with that, and I'll move on with a broken heart. But then the Lord comes to him through an angel of the Lord and says, don't be afraid. Go ahead and, and marry her because she has the Christ child. And when he comes, you're going to call his name Jesus. And then Matthew quotes the Old Testament, and he quotes another passage of Scripture in Isaiah, and it says that his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. I want to share with you just for a second, and look if you would please me to the last verse of this Bible once again in Matthew chapter 1 in this passage. 
And it says this, and he knew her not. That means they were not physical, intimate. Till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. I want to talk to you just for a few moments. What's Christmas about? Christmas is not just about a birth, but it is about a birth. The reason we gather at Christmas time is because we know that's the season that we celebrate the birth of Jesus. But Christmas is not just about a birth, it's about a death. 33 years later, he would die. He was born to die. He was called the Lamb of God. And as we saw in the program, the very beginning of time and from the, from the first sin of Adam and Eve and then their boys, Abel and Cain, there was a problem because every year God would encourage them and tell them and command them to slay an innocent lamb. Because the Old Testament is type and shadows of the innocent dying for the guilty. The lamb did nothing wrong, but he would pull, they would pull his head back and they would cut his throat and, and would, would sacrifice him and he would burn him and he would be a picture, a symbol, an act of faith that not this lamb is not going to be because there will have to be another lamb next year and another lamb the year after. This lamb's blood could not pay for my sin. But when I did this, as an Old Testament believer, I was saying, I believe that God's going to bring a lamb. See, the big thing about Jesus is that Jesus was the innocent who died for me, the guilty. But I want you to notice something about his name. The name Jesus, now he has several names, Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God with us. You say, is Jesus God? Absolutely. You don't have to believe that, but that's what the Bible teaches. All through the scripture, it teaches us that Jesus is God. And he became flesh and he was separated from his heavenly father so that I wouldn't have to be separated from God. He's called the Christ. That means the anointed one, the Messiah. Jesus was his known name, and it comes from, uh, but, but Christ was who his position was. He was the Messiah who would pay for our sin. There's many other names in the Bible, but Jesus means Jehovah is my Savior. Jehovah saves. Jesus saves. Let me tell you four things about that name and we'll conclude. Number one, I'm glad that the name Jesus is a simple name. Even two-year-olds can say it. It's not hard. It's a simple name. It's a name that is not hard to say in any culture. The name Jesus is a simple name, something that uh, anyone can say. I find not only is it a simple name, but it's a sweet name. I love to say the name Jesus. Would you say it with me? Jesus. Jesus, it's a simple name. It's a sweet name. There's a song, there have been names that I have loved to hear. But never has there been a sound so dear. To this heart of mine as the name divine, the precious name of Jesus. There was a man who was an evangelist. He was preaching, and, and uh, he was uh, in Georgia, but he was going up to preach in, in Kentucky. 
His name is Luther Bridgers, and he was preaching, and, and his wife said, Honey, when you go to preach in Kentucky, my folks live in Tennessee. Could you drop me and the boys off at my mom and dad's, and you go preach in Kentucky, and then before you come back to Georgia, pick us up, and we'll go home. And he thought, That's a great idea. I'll do that. And Luther Bridges, he, Bridgers, he drove up there, dropped the family off, and spent a little bit of time with his in-laws and the grandparents and the kids. Everybody was happy, and he went on to Kentucky. But after one of his messages one night, he got a knock at the door. It was a Kentucky highway patrolman. And he said to him, Mr. Bridges, are you Luther Bridges? He said, yes, I am. He said, I've been sent here by the Tennessee Highway Patrol." to come and ask you, is it true that your wife and boys are in Tennessee? He goes, yes, I dropped them off at mom and dad's house. Is there something wrong? He says, yes, there's something wrong. He says, unfortunately, the home where they were staying with your in-laws caught fire tonight, and everyone has perished. And boy, it was a heartbreaking time. As he went, and instead of coming back rejoicing to see his boys and his wife and go back to Georgia. He went back to Georgia on his own. And people began to see him, and God gave him grace to keep on going. And he wrote a song, There's Within My Heart a Melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low, Fear not, I am with thee, peace be still, all in life's ebbs and flows. And then the chorus says, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me seen as I go. People would ask him, how can you keep on going? He said, one reason, the sweet name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is a simple name. It is a sweet name, in my opinion. Now people curse today. And they've always found a way to curse the God of the Bible, and they pick out his son and curse him. No doubt in this room, there are people who've done the same thing. You get mad and... You could say, ah, oh, Buddha. You could get mad and say, ah, oh, Muhammad. But the world around, no one curses those names with regularity. But when you get mad and we get mad, in our past for sure we have gotten mad and we say, blank, damn. You know what God we're talking about? The God of the Bible. We get mad, and why would we, people who are atheists, I met an atheist this week, and he still in his conversation cursed the God he doesn't believe in. He got mad, and he cursed God's Son, Jesus Christ. He says he doesn't believe in him, but yet he used his name. Of the Ten Commandments that God gave us, one of them is, Thou shalt not take the Lord thy God's name. In vain. You know why you need to be saved? Why I need to be saved? Because we've taken that name in vain. And the Bible says he'll not hold us guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Oh, it is a simple name. It is a sweet name. Number three, it's a strong name. It's a strong name. It has been known to divert assailants. It's been known to really strike fear in people's hearts. Just the name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, say it sometime when someone's maybe being unkind. It's like, oh, 
I have a Jewish friend who came to know Christ as a Savior. And every time he uses the name of the Lord, he always says, my Lord Jesus Christ. He's a very successful businessman, works in the medical field. And where he goes any place, it changes everyone's perspective because he always says, my Lord Jesus Christ. He says it loud and he says it confidently. And people are like, okay, hang on a second here now. It brings a little fear in people's hearts. It brings them, but it's a strong name. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse number 10 that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. It's a place where you can go for safety in a name. It's a simple name. It's a sweet name, in my opinion. For those who love God, it's their opinion too. It's a strong name. But here's the most important thing that brings us together today. Whether you're in the balcony over here or you're over here next to the, uh, the, uh, the overflow room or you're in the overflow room or you're watching online today or listening on the radio, here's what I want you to know, and I hope you'll, you'll think about this. The name of Christ Jesus, you'll call his name Jesus, is not just a, a simple name and a sweet name and a strong name. It's a saving name. It's the only name that can give you eternal life. There's something powerful about the name of Jesus. It means Jesus saves. It means Jehovah, God, can save us through a name. There were some people in Acts chapter 4 who kept telling people that Jesus saves. Jesus can forgive your sin. Jesus can save you. And people began to believe it and accept it, and they were saved, and their sins were forgiven, and their hearts were full of joy. And people who were antagonistic and adversarial toward them said, Look, stop using that name. They told them, They said, Quit. If you keep using that name, they gave them all kinds of threats. And in Acts chapter 4, verse number 12, they said, Look, You've got to figure out if we're supposed to obey you or are supposed to obey God. But here's our opinion. Neither is there salvation in any other name. Wherewith you must be saved. I am so glad that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ can forgive sin. I want to tell you my story, and I'll conclude in just a moment. My dad was raised in a drunkard's home. He and his little brother would just stay away from the house, especially when mom was drinking. It was a miserable place to live, and food would not be prepared, and all kinds of vice and problems would follow in their home in Knoxville, Tennessee. But one day, a little Sunday school teacher came to my dad and his little brother, Doug, and said, I want to invite you to a, a, a service at church. I have a class. My dad came to that. He was 11 years old. His little brother was 10. And he came to that class. At the end of class, the little teacher was a small man in comparison to the average man, but he, 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 uh, he tapped him on the shoulder and said, Richard, could I talk to you for a minute? He, pro- he began to put a folding chair in the corner and put another folding chair in front of that. He sat in the corner and he put my dad, Richard, across from him. And my dad got to hear from the Bible. He opened the Bible and turned 
And he showed him three things he needed to know. The first thing he showed him is that my dad was a sinner. And that's what the Bible tells us to all of us. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. No matter how good or how bad you are, you're not good enough to go to heaven on your own. That's not my opinion, that's God's. You might be better off jumping across the Grand Canyon physically than you would trying to get to heaven from here. You can't. God's holy and you and I are not. We have a lifetime full of doing things we shouldn't do, saying things we shouldn't say, and thinking things we shouldn't think. My dad saw that that, that morning, and he said, Oh, I know. I'm a sinner. Because he sinned because of nature, because his dad was a sinner, and his dad was a sinner all the way back to Adam. And he sinned because of choice. Same reason I sin. Same reason you sin. The second thing that little man showed my dad, he said, Richard, the wages of sin is death. That means because I've sinned, if I had to pay for my own sin, if you go to work, you do the work, they give you your wage, your gross wages and your net wages. You do the work, this is what happens. He said the wages of being a sinner is to die. Well, all of us, we don't like to think about death, but I'm going to die and you're going to die. And what death is is not annihilation. Death is separation. When someone dies, their body stays and their soul and spirit leave. And they're separated from you and me in this lifetime. But God tells us there's a second death. And the second death is to be separated from God in the lake of fire forever. It doesn't matter who you are. You're going to meet God one day. Every road leads to God. Only one road leads to eternal life with him, and that's Jesus Christ. That's why we're talking about this. It's his name. It's his person. He showed my dad, number one, that he was a sinner. Number two, that he deserved hell because of his sin. If he had to pay for his own sin, the wage of sin is death, separating not only his body and his spirit, but his soul from God forever in the lake of fire. Separation. But then he shared with him the wages of sin is death, but... The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Young ladies up here, would you please not talk to those around you? Let's listen carefully. The Bible says that because we've sinned, we deserve to go to hell, but God has a gift. See, this is where most people are confused. This is where I was confused. I thought that eternity, eternal life was a reward for doing right things. Get your life together, stop doing this, quit doing that, start doing this, get more religious, whatever. Fill in the blank. But that's not the Bible teaching. No, he, he didn't say the wages of sin is death, but you can earn it by doing different things. No, he says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, that's opposite of eternal death, through Jesus Christ. What the Bible's teaching there is that if someone goes to heaven, they must accept God's gift. Now, a gift has to be free, and it has to be accepted. If someone has a gift for you, and they say, well, you can have this gift, but need to clean my car first, and then I'll give it to you, that's not a gift. A gift has to be free to you. Number two, it has to be received. If I had something to give to you, maybe it was tickets to a symphony or tickets to a ball game to watch the Bulls lose or uh, something else like that or the Bears lose again. You heard about the guy, the little boy that went to the court and he says, 
the judge was trying to find out who he's going to live with, his mom or his dad. And he said, no. He goes, uh, he goes I don't want to live with my, my mama. I said, why? Because she beats me. So, well, you live with your, your, your dad. No, my, my, my stepmom beats me over there. He said, where do you want to live with? He said, I'll live with the Chicago Bears. They don't beat anybody. <laughs> it's kind of grievous, isn't it? Tell Brother Abdel that joke someday. That'd be good. But you know, the truth of the matter is, all of us, we have a sin debt that we owe to God. And we need a Savior. We need a Savior. We need someone to do it. But if I gave you tickets to the Bears game, and you went there, and someone saw you and said, hey, what are you doing over here? You could say, I got free tickets. They would say, when? You could say, well, 1155. Where? First Baptist Church. Who? My friend John. You'd go back to a time and a place and a person when you accepted those gifts. You know, when people go to heaven, they have a time and a place and a person. It's not a religion. It's not a priest or a pastor. It's not when someone gets baptized. But they have a time and a place when they realize three things. Number one, what my dad understood, and what he later explained to me, that, John, you're a sinner. You deserve hell. You deserve to be separated from God because the wages of sin is not negotiable. It's death. But Jesus died. He was buried. He rose again. And through his payment, you can have the gift of eternal life. But you must receive it. Let me tell you how you receive it. In Romans chapter 10, verse 10, this is what the Bible says. Listen carefully. For with the heart, you know, you accept tickets with your hand. You'll give gifts this year, and you'll take gifts, and you'll do them with your hand. And people will extend a box or a bag to you, and they'll say, thank you. But you don't take the gift of eternal life with your hands. You take it with your heart. The Bible says, with the heart, man believeth in, in, unto righteousness. That means they believe that only the righteousness of Jesus and his innocence can pay for my guilt and my sin. For with the heart man believeth that only Jesus could pay for my sin. And with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. And then verse 13 of chapter 10 of Romans, it says this, For whosoever shall call upon the name. What name? Not the name of the church. Not the name of a priest or a pastor. Not the name of communion or a sacrament. Not the name of your life or my life. But the name of Jesus. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. My little dad sat there at that chair that day with that little man showing him the Bible and says, Richard, do you believe that you're a sinner and your sins against God? He said, yes. Do you believe that sinners deserve to be separated from God? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus died, he was buried and rose again so you could be saved? Yes. Would you like to accept that gift? My dad said yes. And then later on he shared that with me when I was a young man and I said yes. And I've shared that with hundreds and hundreds of people. And many of them had said yes. Would you say yes to Jesus today? 
See, Christmas is about a birth, it's about a death, and it's about you. What are you going to do with Jesus' coming, his death, and his coming kingdom? Jesus said to a very religious man one day, he said, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He can't be saved. Say, Pastor, what's it mean to be born again? Remember I told you there are two deaths, a physical death when someone dies physically and an eternal death when they're separated, a spiritual death, they're separated from God. Well, that's why Jesus said, because there are two deaths, you've got to have two births. A physical birth that puts you into your mom and dad's family and a spiritual birth that puts you into God's family. You say, Pastor, how does that spiritual birth happen? It's when you believe and receive Jesus. The Bible says as many as receive Jesus. To them gave you power to become the sons of God. When I believe and receive Jesus, I become God's child because I'm born. Not of blood, not who my parents were. Not because of myself, nothing I could do with my flesh. Not because of somebody else doing it for me. No, it's because of God. He puts me in his family. Here's Bible math. If you're born once, you're going to die twice. If you just have a physical birthday, and you've never personally received God's gift of eternal life, you're going to die a second time. Physically separated from your family and your body and eternally separated from a God who did not want it that way. But if you're born twice, that means you have a physical birth and you have a time and a place when you've accepted the gift of eternal life in your heart and with your mouth, calling upon the name of Jesus. Then you're born twice, you only die once. Christmas is about a birth, about a death, and about you. Would you believe and receive Jesus?